0: Quick, what's the worst thing you can imagine flying around your bedroom? Ha! <laughs> Amateur, think again. And then we take a look at the story of a young woman who moves into a new apartment. Her life is going great. She has a boyfriend, a vibrant social life. But something's wrong. Something evil is hiding in this apartment. And little does she know, it never wants to let her go. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, or should I say ghost... Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. This is our Halloween special. <laughs> Extra spooky. That's why we have our spooky reimagined theme song by Hombres de la cebola a.k.a. The Onion Men. They made this song. It's a reimagining of the original theme song, Atlantis Attacks, produced by my good friend Simple. It's a spooky reimagining and I absolutely love it. I got this email from them and they said that it, this was inspired by sigils of Phoenician origin, popularly used among Memphis rap circles. So, <laughs> pretty sure this might just be a spell. This might be a spell. Sorry that I'm playing it twice in a row. We played it on yesterday's episode as well, so please let me know. Please send me emails if you're currently possessed by an ancient Phoenician warlord. But someone who's never possessed by the undead, someone who always makes sure that the forces of evil are at bay, walking into Dead Rabbit Radio command right now, is you! Yes, you! You are going to be the captain, the pilot this episode for this special episode at Dead Rabbit Radio. I actually didn't plan to do an episode today, but I realized I needed a release an episode Halloween night for all your spooktacular needs. Aria Maserick, she was our pilot yesterday. She's kind of hanging out in the back. I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad because I wanted her to be on the special Halloween episode, and I they got it all mixed up. But anyways, she is she's refilling the Pepsi machine while you, which includes Aria as well. You are the pilot. I'm gonna go ahead and start off by tossing you the keys. To the Jason Jet. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to Cambodia. Also got to give a shout out to Blind Guy. He took my jet sound effect I made and put it to a video of a real jet flying by. (laughs) No one's ever done that in five years of the show. I'll put that uh, YouTube it's like an eight second clip. I'll put it in the show notes. That was pretty funny Blind Guy. We're flying all the way out in the Jason jet. You're given the command to land. You start bringing it down at a local Cambodian airport. Now, I think this story takes place in Cambodia. Not entirely for sure. Because I know we live in a world of global traffic. People move all over the place. So you can be Russian and live in South America. You could be from Paraguay and live in Antarctica. This story features a cast of Cambodians, so I'm pretty sure it takes place in Cambodia, but who knows? And this post I found, we're going to give this guy a name, Mark. He starts off his post with probably the most dynamic sentence I've read in a long time as far as this paranormal stuff goes. I've never encountered anything like this. Very first sentence of his post is, quote, A person who hates me... A person who hates me hired a Cambodian shaman to send a ghost to visit me. That's kind of dope, really, if you think about it. Like, having an adversary... I have tons of people who hate my guts. I've collected a series of enemies over the course of 47 years. Most of them... Or most of them are carryovers from my college days. They've never forgiven me for my crimes I've committed against them. And then I pick up some here and there. Some through the podcast. Some through my music. a, a, A smattering through high school. But mostly college years. They still hate my guts. Which is fine. I think everyone should have a couple of adversaries in their rogues gallery. However, I will say this. I have beefed with a couple witches. I've had a couple of people cast curses on me. And I've had, like, gang members threaten me and all sorts of stuff. I'm a little jealous because I've, <laughs> I've never never revoked the ire of a Cambodian shaman. Like, that should be on my bingo card of the people who hate me. And to be fair, the Cambodian shaman doesn't hate Mark. But apparently, he needs a little bit of extra cash. <laughs> apparently, someone can go to this guy and be like, hey, I don't like this dude. Can you send a ghost after him? Now, Mark's leaving out some key details. One, we don't know what he did to collect this enemy. Most of the enemies I collected was just because I was a jerk to people. But in pretty extravagant ways. And they still, they still dislike me. I'm obviously leaving a bunch of information out as well. But we're not talking about me. We're talking about Mark. Mark doesn't let us know why this person hates him. Because even though I've pissed off a lot of people, very few of them, like I said, I've been cursed before, which is cast spells on me and all sorts of nonsense. Uh, No Cambodian shamans though. I imagine you have to do something pretty high on the list to get a Cambodian shaman out of bed or maybe just pay him well. I don't know. He doesn't say why he's being targeted. He also goes, listen, I'll be honest. I don't know if it's a ghost. And this is my question to you. This is what I kind of asked in the beginning. What's scarier? A ghost flying around your room, or a Cambodian shaman himself flying around the room, I would argue, because again, I've encountered ghosts before. I've never had a Cambodian shaman, even in my neighborhood, as far as I know, let alone flying around my bedroom. (laughs) I would just change the name of the podcast. The Cambodian shaman radio. Like that would be the most eventful thing in my life. If I wake up and there's a dude, like a middle-aged dude, just spinning around in my bedroom, I'm all clapping. I'm all spin, spin, spin. He goes, this is supposed to be a curse. I'm like, but it's so amusing. Cambodian shaman, wee. He's spinning around. I tie a string to his toe. So can't, you're like, Jason, you're now inviting a Cambodian shaman to go after you now. This middle-aged guy floating around in your room. Anyways, Mark goes on to say, here's the thing. I have this adversary and I pissed her off pretty royally and she has contacted a Cambodian shaman to come after me. And what happened was the other day, Mark was laying in bed and he said the only way he could describe this was I had a real life jump scare. He goes, I was laying there and then all of a sudden I saw this face like flash towards me super fast. And then this loud scream in my head. It was terrifying. He goes, it was the same thing like if you're watching a movie and there's that quick jump scare. He goes, that's what it felt like. This face just kind of superimposed itself right in front of mine, like staring at him. And then he hears a scream and then he starts seeing all these flashing lights around his body. Now, it's very possible that he had an epileptic seizure when you add in the flashing lights first you're like wow that's creepy that's paranormal and then you're like "Oh, flashing lights i think this guy should go to a doctor well be careful you might accident. <laughs> you go to the doctor and it's the cambodian shaman working he's like i'm a double duty i'm a witch doctor and a real doctor he says he sees these flashing lights he probably had a seizure he should go to the doctor well what's interesting was a couple days later his adversary who we will call addison Addison contacts him and says, did you have a good night's sleep the other night, Mark? Hmm? Did you? Because I know everything. The shaman told me everything I need to know about you. And again, Mark goes, I don't know if it's the shaman himself who's in my house or this ghost servant of him. But Addison then began to describe in detail the interior of Mark's home. Ah, yes, you present a very masculine front out on the streets, but the Teletubby comforter you sleep in says something else. What? How did you know? And, Mark, I know that you like to tell people you're well-read, but I see on that bookshelf full of books, full of names like Archimedes and (laughs) some other other authors. (laughs) Jason, nobody has a book by Archimedes. He didn't write a book. What's some famous books you would see on someone's bookshelf and go, hmm, that's a fancy book. A uh, Dickens, I noticed that you have those books that say uh, Charles Dickens on them. And Sherlock Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes books written by that Doyle dude. Mark Twain, I see you have all these books. But then I noticed that behind those books is your collection of NCIS on DVD, the complete series. <laughs> you just use the Dickens books to cover up the fact that you love that show. You try to present that you're a very well-read man, but you just like to watch television shows on DVD. Mark says that she knows the interior of his house. And that would be alarming. But again, you could go, well, Jason, I could look in your window and tell you what was in your house. Like, that's not magical. I can just walk right up and stick my head in your window and go, wow, that guy really (laughs) really likes NCIS. There's a big poster. I don't even know who's on that show. My mom watches that show um uh, I've watched it from Mark Harmon. There's a big poster of Mark Harmon in my living room, and then there's like there's a crime scene. There's a crime scene. There's a bloody body. I was like, no, this is just a reenactment from my favorite show, NCIS. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Cambodian shaman telling all this stuff. But you could do that with your own eyeballs. You could look in and see what someone's house is. No, it's more alarming than that. And this would this is where you start to get nervous. This is when you shouldn't provoke the ire of a Cambodian shaman because basically Mark goes, not only does she know how my house is like the layout of my house, she knows everything through the shaman. The shaman using his powers knows all of my past lives, which isn't a big deal, right? If if you turned out that in a past life, you were a thief and in the life before that you were a queen. And then two lives before that you were like a hobo a shepherd hobo walking through the Pyrenees Mountains, you would be like, yeah, whatever. Like, those are past lives. That doesn't reflect who I am today. But I could also see, like, if they're like, listen, <laughs> listen, Mark, you've had a lot of past lives from caveman to now. Somehow 90% of them were perverted. You're like, ah, like it could, the evidence could mount very quickly. They're like, it's really weird that most of your past incarnations die of somebody. Human-animal-transfer disease. You're like, uh, I swear it wasn't me. If there was a lot of perversion in your past, that could probably pull out. But then also, the shaman knows his future. So imagine this. Imagine if you had an adversary who... Yeah, yeah, you know my past lives. I don't care about that. If you knew my future. I mean, at this point, now you're fighting the CIA. You're like trying to leave your house and go to work and there's someone on your tail the whole time. It just happens to be an invisible Cambodian shaman floating behind you. And he wouldn't even have to float behind you. He, could, he goes, well, I know he's going to go to Dunkin' Donuts. So the Cambodian shaman's floating around Dunkin' Donuts and you walk in. He's like, ah, right on, right on time, right on clockwork. And now he's going to go get on the bus. And The Cambodian shaman's floating on the back of the bus. He actually wouldn't even have to do any of that. He would just know it. He would just be sitting. <laughs> he's, what a boring life does he have a job no every day he goes he gets one donut from dunkin donuts then he goes home and just sits in there basically boring the cambodian shaman he's like oh man i used to fight minotaurs on the astral plane now i'm just watching this guy eat a donut slowly watch watching." And <laughs> cis he knows how all the episodes end. cambodian shaman's like there's not even a mystery here i know how every episode ends it's this killer it's this guy but imagine if your adversary knew that, if your adversary knew everything about you. You know, what's interesting nowadays, you can do everything a Cambodian shaman can do with technology, right? I can, <laughs> you're like, Jason, come on. You got to give more credit than that. I don't think there's a piece of technology that lets you know the future and past lives. You're right. But so, so here's my thing. Let's say this Cambodian shaman knows what I'm going to do in the future. That's alarming. He's given that information to somebody. Past lives, whatever, I'm not concerned about that. The Cambodian Shaman, she was also describing stuff that he was doing in the meantime. So now the Cambodian Shaman's just at his house. He has a new roommate and it's reporting back to somebody he doesn't like. So there's zero privacy in this house. That's more alarming. That's alarming, right? We don't want audio or video equipment in our house recording everything that we do even though we do have those things they're called cell phones and laptop computers and desktop computers Uh, we know this stuff; we're constantly being recorded we just hope that it doesn't ever fall into the wrong hands right so if i'm caught on audio doing or saying something embarrassing and the cia has it because of course they do they have all of our stuff cia at best google at worst right i think if you had to choose where all of your personal thoughts and feelings were, would you rather them be in the cold, unfeeling hands of a government agency collating data or some new hire who is working at Google that weekend? Right? I mean, they're both terrible. I'm not defending the CIA at all. They all of this stuff, they're actually hearing this podcast before you can. Both Google and CIA is getting a copy of all of this, but in most of it time, it just gets collated into a giant database. Nobody ever hears it. It's the new hire at Google who I'm actually more worried about hearing these things. And because, you know, whether or not they release it or they think it's weird and who knows? I mean, I'm surprised we don't get more stories about a Google employee running into a girl at a coffee shop and then going home and somehow triangulating where she lives and just getting all of her information, not like her name and her address, like all of the stuff off her computer. I'm very, very sure it's possible. I'm surprised we don't hear about that now. Anyways, Cambodian ghost. (laughs) That's the conspiracy part of the podcast. Cambodian ghost, knowing everything you're doing right now, the future can be changed. The past is irrelevant. But what I'm doing right now, she's like, hey, I saw what you were watching the other day and it wasn't NCIS. You're watching all that weird (laughs) porn. You're watching all that NCIS fan porn. You really need to get over that show. You're watching all of that NCIS, Mark Harmon pornography I'm gonna tell everybody and you could deny you'd be like no no mom really I'm not into NCIS the porn I'm into the show but not the porn not the porn you could probably like tell people no that's not real I don't actually do that but you know some of them would believe it And some of them would know. Some of them would like, you do look like the type of guy who would masturbate to a photo of Mark Harmon. You're like, no, no, I swear. And you're all sweating heavily. You're all, oh, Mark Harmon, save me. You're like, Jason, I don't watch this show. Who the hell is Mark Harmon? I didn't even hear of NCIS until he started talking. You're Googling. You're like, what is this show? It just popped in my head. Cambodian shaman put it there. Having an enemy know exactly what you're doing right now. Such an invasion of privacy. We know the government does it. We know corporations do it, but... Knowing a person on the street is capable of doing it. And knowing, like, what, how do you protect yourself from a Cambodian shaman? There's only one way to do it that I can think of. Get another Cambodian shaman. And have him fight on the astral plane. And hope that yours is more powerful. Because if he loses now, because if he loses, now you just have a more powerful enemy. And how can you stop a middle-aged man from flying around your living room? I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer for that. Terrifying story of paranormal powers in the hands of the wrong person. Not necessarily the shaman. He's just doing his job. He's doing what he's getting paid for. But when someone who's against you figures out a way to use the power of the paranormal to take you on, all bets are off. I, again, people have tried doing it to me all the time. I, I I do shrug it off. But no one's tried a Cambodian shaman against me. <laughs> like, Jason, are you trying- this is your weirdly veiled fetish episode. You're like, oh, Cambodian shaman fan fiction. And you're like trying to go to one of your listeners. You're like, oh, come on. You guys hate me. Whatever. You can send 10 <laughs> Cambodian shamans against me. Bring them all on. You're like, Jason, we're not. We don't want to participate in your possible fetish. It could just be you riffing on something, but it's always hard to tell. Let's do it. I'm going to toss you. The keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Cambodia. Fly us all the way out to Georgia. We're headed out to Georgia. This story is going to take a bit, so this might just be an extra long episode. We're headed out to Georgia, I think. Because we're going to meet this woman. She goes, We're going to call her Tara. She said that in November of 2022, she was living in this house and her landlord's like, hey, I'm going to turn this into an Airbnb. You got a couple of weeks to move out. So she quickly starts looking for something. And she finds an apartment that's inside a Georgian house. So I think that might be a style of house. The story might take place in Georgia. I'm not for sure. Let's just assume it takes place in Georgia, right? (laughs) All you architects can send me emails saying, no, Georgian house, those are the second most common house in Arizona. It's an apartment in a Georgian house. She says, listen, it was a really large apartment, beautiful place. Everything seemed great. Things are looking up for good old Tara. That's what we're calling her, Tara. And I want to say, too, this was sent to me by Dragonova Svetlana. She sent over a ton of stories. Always great to have more from her. Really, really interesting one. Thanks for sending this over. Tara says she's living in the house. Two months pass. Everything is going great. She has a long-distance relationship with her boyfriend. She has great friends in the area. Vibrant social life. Everything is going a okay for Tara. But after those two months... Living in this apartment, she does start to notice she is kind of feeling a little bit run down. A little more tired than usual. You could kind of chalk it up to the seasons, right? Everyone gets a little slow during winter. But, you know, she's just getting a little depressed. And that's not like Tara. She can tell that there's something else is going on. She's feeling a little lonely. So in December of 2022... So she adopts a cat. She gets a little kitty cat. Meow. Meow. Call him Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Tucker. Meow. She's petting her cat. It's really nice to have a cat. She's had a cat before, but he passed away, so now she has a new one. But Tucker never wants to go into the bedroom. Come here, Tucker. Come here. Come here. Meow meow, meow. Tucker will walk away. She'll be like, what? Tucker. In fact, not only does Tucker not like going into the bedroom, Tucker spends most of the day growling at Tara. It like sounds like he's trying to have a bowel movement, Jason. I don't know how a cat growls. I can do a hiss. And then they do that So was probably that one. It's probably the more irritating one. You know, the cat's growling at Tara all the time. Tucker seems afraid of Tara. Oddly enough. February 2023. Tara's still feeling slightly depressed, lonely. Just th- things aren't looking up for her mentally. She's in this funk. And to make matters worse, Tucker starts doing this weird thing where he breathes with his mouth open. They'll just be walking around going, ah, ah, ah. and she's like, oh my God, normal cats don't do that. Tucker, are you okay? And she goes, dude, it, it sounds like he's suffocating. Like whatever, it doesn't look comfortable, whatever it is, it sounds terrible. She takes Tucker to the vet and the vet goes, oh my God, how long has the cat been doing this? And Tara goes, uh, a couple days? <laughs> her eyes go from side to side? It's been three weeks. I don't know how long it's been, but she goes, um, he's been doing this for a while. I breathe him with his mouth open. And the vet goes, oh, my God. So this cat has chronic heart failure. We got to put her to sleep. And Tara was like, not Tucker, not the cat, Not the cat who hated me since the moment he came home and growled all the time. No. And they put Tucker to sleep. Tara gets depressed, which is to be expected. She's more depressed than she was pre <laughs> more depressed than she was pre dead cat. Even when the cat was yelling at her, growling, at least there was someone in the house with her. Now she's even more depressed. She feels even more lonely. She still has these friends. She's still engaged in this long term relationship. But that doesn't matter. She feels lonely. You can have all of the people in the world having your back and you still feel lonely at this point she also begins to feel somebody or something it feels like somebody's doing it but every time she turns around there's nobody there she feels a sensation of somebody touching her back turns around nothing there a couple days pass. she feels it again, turns around, nothing there. It's alarming. It'd be alarming to anyone. At this point, you'd start to think maybe there is a paranormal issue going on here. If you moved into a new place and was feeling out of sorts, especially during the winter time, that can be chalked up to all sorts of different things. Feeling someone touching your back and them not being there, that's when you have to start to look at a paranormal answer. She goes, this would happen every few days. And eventually it began happening every single day. Once a day, she would feel somebody touch her back. Around this time, she begins to not just feel depression, but a horrific grief would envelop her at night. During the day, she might not be all roses and sunshine, but at night, she said it was just this suffocating level of sadness. She goes, imagine if you were suddenly swallowed up by the grief of a thousand people. She goes, it was so overwhelming there would be times where in the middle of the night I would get up and go outside for just a minute or two just to wash it off. And at this point she's realizing there's something up with the property. There has to be something paranormal going on here. This is not normal. But what's interesting too is outside of the touching... If you told anyone else this, they could give you answers like I was giving you. It's just a new place. It's the season. Your cat died. You know, you can start chalking these stuff up to things. And it's not always in the world of the paranormal where hauntings are also surrounded by an ever encroaching despair. In fact, most hauntings don't have that. We've covered one other one like that. I'll put it in the show notes. But these are rare where the haunting itself seems to be tied to just this raw emotion of grief. And what's happening is whatever this house is doing to Tara, it is affecting her real life relationships. She doesn't give a lot of details, but she goes, my boyfriend of one and a half years, we broke up. Friends that I had for decades, I stopped hanging out with. This was affecting me in so many different ways. It was ruining my life. This apartment was ruining my life. We're in May of 2023 at this point, And Tara's like, well, I'm single now and I've lost a couple of my friends. You know what I need to do? Get another cat. <laughs> I need a new cat. So she goes and she gets a cat. We'll call this one... Miles. Oh, Miles. Meow. Oh, Miles, I love you so much. You're going to be such a good cat here. Kissing Miles on the forehead. Miles is all purring. But, Miles will also not go into the bedroom. Miles is an older cat and doesn't exhibit the hatred. It's not growling at Tara, but it won't go in her bedroom. Meow. 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 Meow, 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 meow. Meow, meow, Walking away. Come on, Miles. Just coming to my bedroom. Meow. July 2023. Tara's sitting at home and Miles is walking around and he looks like he's a little disoriented. She sees him walking. and He's kind of like bumping into stuff. Looks like he can't. Looks like he doesn't exactly know where he wants to go or where he should go. And she's like, Miles? Miles and Miles turns around and his mouth is hanging open, <sighs> breathing through an open mouth. And she rushes him to the vet. She's like, "Oh my God!" The same thing that happened to good old what was his name? I don't remember his name. What did we name that first cat? Uh. Anyway, she's like, "Oh my dear beloved cat, who I forgot his name." This cat here, Miles, Miles, he's also breathing weird. He can't... What was the name of that first cat? Now I'm trying to remember. Anyways, this cat, look at him. And the vet goes... The vet looks at the cat and does some tests and is like, I have no idea why this cat is having a hard time breathing. Doesn't have a chronic health problem. Doesn't have a chronic heart problem. However, this cat is old and... I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. I got golf in about 10 minutes. I'm just going to put this cat to sleep because this cat is so old. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's definitely in pain, in distress. So we're going to put it to sleep. They put down good old Miles and Tara said, for the first time in my life, I was suicidal. I honestly thought about killing myself. And I never, ever thought about that before. This was the lowest point I'd ever been. Not just because of Miles. Not just because of the other cat whose name she forgot. She probably remembers. But anyway, I don't. I don't. She goes, not just because of the multiple cat deaths. Not just because I'd lost my boyfriend. Not because I'd lost friends of mine. It was because of everything. And I'm walking back into my apartment. I know what's going to await me. Grief. Misery. Loneliness. She said, I spent most of the following days doing one of two things. Crying. And looking for a new apartment. She goes, she got one. Eventually she found a new place. Moves away. A new city. She moves out of the area. And she finds one. She moves out as quick as she can. She gets out of there. She gets to a new place. And after a bit of time passes, I mean, I don't know what community this took place in. Possibly Georgia. Might be a small town. I don't know. She goes, I was able to find the tenant who lived in that apartment before I did. The previous one. I was able to track her down. And I asked her. Did anything weird happen to you at that old apartment you were at? And The previous woman, we'll call her Ashley. Ashley said, yeah. It was super weird. I'd never seen anything like it. She goes, I moved in to that apartment with my boyfriend. Everything was great. She goes, I moved into that apartment. Everything was great. I had a boyfriend. I had a vibrant social life. And me and my boyfriend, we started arguing. It was crazy. Like, we were never that argumentative. But he'd be over there and we'd be getting these huge arguments. And sometimes we got violent. We got physically violent towards each other. And we had never done that. we never done that. We ended up breaking up. It's insane. And and I would have friends come over too. Friends would spend time over there. and, And it was the weirdest thing. We'd been friends for so long. And then all of a sudden these weird arguments would start. Stuff that we didn't even care about. It was so out of character for any of us. But these huge arguments would break out among me and my friends. And it was just like that place was tearing me apart. I had to get out of there. It was changing me. It was changing everyone around me. I had to get out. felt like that place was literally draining energy from me. That if I stayed there any longer, there wouldn't be much left. And, I mean, you could think all sorts of things. You could think this was all coincidence or anything like that. But I remember clearly at one point I saw there was this figure. I saw like this this humanoid, this shape of a human. It was standing right outside the bathroom, you know, right near the bedroom there just standing there so i don't know i had to get out of that place which pretty much matches up to tara's experiences as well she didn't see anything at least that she you know noted in her account but everything else matches and she said i did some digging apparently because she was living in an apartment in this house and i'd be curious to find out like If this was a house that was sectioned off into apartments, were the other roommates aware of this? Was this one of those situations where there's apartments close to each other, but no one ever interacts with each other? You don't really know your neighbors. I'm not for sure, but she goes, whoever. So I'm not for sure. I'd be curious about that. But she said the person who used to live in the house before it was a series of apartments, the person who used to live in the house was the head of the city run mental asylum way back in the day. She goes back when it was, you know, kind of a darker method towards taking care of the feeble-minded and insane. The guy who ran it. So, I mean, the guy who ran it lived there. So, I'm not necessarily saying he took his work home with him. But it's possible, you know, all that psychic energy. Especially if, you know, they were doing horrible things to the patients. And he's like, ah, what a day, what a day. His hands are all burned from all the electroshock therapy. He's like, ah... Man, sure was a hard day. I had to do seven lobotomies. And I know my my hand slipped on a couple of those. But uh, he's using the ice pick that he uses for lobotomies to break off ice, putting it in his drink. He's like, yeah, I do bring my work home. Sometimes I just can't let it go. The screams of a thousand maniacs. Sits down in his chair, sips a glass of whiskey. I'm sure that he definitely, you know... Brought some of that home, some of that psychic energy home. Tara goes, now I'm in a new place. I'm actually in a new city. She's not even in the same original area. She goes, I'm living in this beautiful apartment. Life is good. Or is it? Tara says, I still can't shake the feeling that something is attached to me. She said, I don't feel a physical sensation of anyone touching my back. It's not like that. She goes, but I have negative thoughts still. And that was so unlike me. Before I moved in that apartment, I was not someone who would fall into depression, who would get trapped in a cycle of negativity. But now, even though I'm gone, I still feel that something followed me here. I find myself fighting off a deep depression. I wonder if even now I'm still repelling people. She says her and her ex-boyfriend were talking for a while and then he just ghosted her. and, And she goes, I don't know if like somehow this is still pushing people away. Whatever this is wants me to be lonely, wants me to be Isolated. Surrounded by grief. Swimming in a vast ocean of negativity. Swallowed up by the gaping maw of the darkest depression. These things are not what I have experienced before. And now they are a part of my daily life. And I feel that even though I have left. Something is still Draining energy from me. Something does not want to let me go. She ends her post like this. Uh, She goes, quote, "Um, I have not felt anything touch my back since the day I left, and my apartment feels great, so I don't think it's followed me, whatever it was. But I can't seem to feel like the person I was before this. And I just want to feel like me again instead of numb. It's a creepy story, right? This is something we talk about. A lot of people take their paranormal cues from the movies. And a lot of movies have this climatic ending where this thing is defeated. They move away, whatever. They destroy the amulet. But when we look at these stories in real life, they very rarely have such climatic endings. This is something she's going to be struggling with for a while. And what I find really interesting about it is the Ashley, the girl who had moved, lived there before her, she said that it felt like when her friends were over and when her boyfriend was over, I don't know if the boyfriend actually lived there or if he would just come over from time to time, they were physically fighting. Huge arguments breaking out. It's also seemed to have an effect on the boyfriend, even though he was long distance. When we look at Tara's story, maybe it was because she was becoming such a sad sack. He stopped dating her, but I don't think that's the case. It, it does seem th- this super interesting in the world of the paranormal. I could be off track on here, but her friends stopped hanging out with her and it could be that she's repelling them. And you can understand if there's a spirit attached to somebody when they come near the person, they may just start getting a weird feeling and they don't know necessarily why. But just like the cat who won't go in the bedroom, humans can pick up on that as well. It could also be that Tara was picking little fights and was getting angrier than possible. Angrier than normal with her friends and they're like... But even then, to have a friendship for decades end over a couple squabbles and you're like, man, Tara sure is acting weird. And this wasn't a long time span. This all started November 2022 and then two months later is when it rolled out. We're now... And, you know, it hasn't even been a year and she's lost friends who were friends for decades, according to her. Was it they were getting repelled by the spirit as well? Was it affecting them as well when they would come over to visit, when Tara would go visit them in person and the friends? They have this weird reaction to it, possibly, probably. But the boyfriend having the long distance relationship also being affected by it. This thing's uniquely powerful. I mean, long-distance relationships, generally we're talking about more than a three-hour driving time. I think anything less than that, you can still make it work in person, weekends and, and everything. But, I mean, th- he was being affected by it as well. It's possible that it was he was just done with her being so sad and depressed. But even then, like a year and a half in a relationship, that's kind of an odd. And I think she might have no- noted that in her narrative, That he broke up with me because I was becoming a different person, but we don't know. I'm assuming they were arguing with each other, just like in the previous Tenant story. But that means that this spirit was affecting him as well. Very, very powerful entity. And it's creepy because it's not that nice ending on the bow. She realized there was a problem. She left the house, but this thing either sucked so much energy from her, she's not the same person anymore, or it is still on her she goes, I feel like it is actively repelling people as well. I do want to say, too, this was posted online by someone going by the name the Armadillo667. So I wanted to say where that originally came from. But I'm wondering if, I mean, again, it could have just, if it sucks so much energy out of her that she is a different person, that energy can return over time. If it's still attached to her, then she has to get it off for her to move on. But it's a terrifying story because you think you go to the haunting, you survive the haunting, you leave the haunting, your life is better. But this is one of those stories that show that's not always the case. This is one of those stories why it could be dangerous to even just go ghost hunting. Because if you go into the wrong location with a powerful enough spirit, you bring it home. and All of a sudden, it's wrecking your home life. It's destroying it. It was trapped in this haunted house. No one was investigating and entered this haunted graveyard or abandoned factory, whatever. And it has no one to haunt, no one to really pull energy off of. It's just the spirit. And then you bring it home to a home full of love and life. And it's just licking its lips. You've given it all the energy it needs. It's just going to destroy everything. All because you went ghost hunting. Now, I love ghost hunting. I actually encourage people to go ghost hunting. But it's dangerous. This type of stuff can happen. She didn't go ghost hunting. Tara just needed an apartment really, really quick. She wasn't looking for this stuff. She didn't invite it into her home. It was there when she got there. The previous tenant had also experienced it. Terrifying story. And I think it's a great way to wrap up the end of season 22. We're going to take two weeks off after this episode, as well as a spooky Halloween story. The spookiest, maybe not the spookiest. We've had some spooky stories this season. But it definitely, it's one to make you think. It lets you realize that this stuff is not to be trifled with. It really isn't. As fun as it can be, soul crushing. I mean, she wanted to kill herself. It was the very first time she thought about killing herself. She doesn't have, and there are people who think about killing themselves all the time, and sometimes that's suicidal ideation. Sometimes they do want to kill themselves, they're just looking for an opportune time. But a lot of times, like suicidal ideation, she wanted to kill herself. I mean, you think about that level of depression. And she was lucky she found a new place, right? That previous story I was talking about was about a mom who was trapped in a haunted house because she couldn't afford another one. The episode, I think, was called like the economic devastation of a demonic infestation or something like that. And it was this story that she's like, I, I want to leave, but I can't because we don't have enough money. I just want my kids to get out of the house so they don't have to suffer anymore. Terrifying stuff. You're trapped. It's not that you're trapped because all the doorknobs disappeared in the haunted house. You're trapped in a 30 year mortgage. You're trapped because there's no other housing available. You're trapped because you can't find a first in the last month's deposit. She's so lucky she got out of this house when she did, because she very well may have taken her life. And all of her friends would have thought, wow, we never saw that coming. She was so happy. But really, she was struggling with these deep thoughts of depression, and they were alien to her. No one would have known why she killed herself. But... Previous tenants, when they would see it in the news or hear about it from a friend, they would go, Phew. yeah, that that apartment's some bad energy. But she didn't kill herself. She was able to find another place, luckily, right? But the story has not ended for her yet. To this day, she's still suffering from the time she spent in that house, less than a year. Something is still affecting her life, deeply affecting her life. She's lost in a depression that she's never known before. So what a way to end season 22. I'm taking a two-week break after this. What a way to end our Halloween episode. <laughs> what a way in a story that involves two dead cats and a woman on the verge of suicide. I'm not saying that's a good story. I'm not saying that I'm glad these events happen. I'm just saying it's spooky and sometimes spooky stories you have all your cats on your lap you're like oh don't worry don't worry little kitty cats you won't die yeah your cats are fine but sometimes spooky stories are gonna have sad things happen you're like Jason I shut it off after the second cat died you don't know the difference between depressing and scary you're like and then she almost killed herself and they just keep going on you gotta figure that out bro you gotta figure it out. You gotta figure out that what you find terrifying puts other people. That's what's so depressing is not her depression. It's you talking about it like it's just a ghost story. This poor woman lost two cats and her boyfriend dumped her. And you're like, yeah, it's probably a ghost. It probably is a ghost. We got a whole bunch of great stuff coming up for next season. I'm super excited. This is the first time in five years where I have ended a season and I am excited about starting the next season. Normally I'm dead on my feet. I don't even want to talk about the show anymore for two weeks. I'm actually cannot wait for season 23 to start. I'm, I, it, we, it, it, I'm in a really good mental mood. I'm <laughs> chasing two cats. I know, I know. That's depressing. But I'm in a great, I cannot wait for season 23. And I hope you guys are there with me. Hope you guys enjoyed this happy Halloween episode. Be safe. Trick or treat safely. You're like, Jason, we did all that stuff hours ago. Everyone, be safe. Have fun over the next two weeks. Port Gamble Ghost Conference, November 10th, 6 p.m. I will be giving a speech. Why are there no fat ghosts? I will be there from November 10th to November 12th. Be there and be scared. DeadRabberRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabberradio. TikTok is at deadrabberradio.com. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but day. I'm so, so glad you listened to it today. Happy Halloween. I'll see you in two weeks. I love you guys. Have a great week.